fam, David Anthony here with The Grip, gaining relevant, innovative perspectives. I am your host, and man, I am so thrilled and excited to have another opportunity to hang out with you. Text somebody, tweet somebody, tell them, David Anthony with The Grip is on. And man, we're just looking forward to having a marvelous time. Now, the question I've got to ask you is, have you voted? You know, early voting uh, is about to come to an end, and then you're going to be stuck with having to do it on that busy day, election day. So if you haven't cast your vote, you need to do it now. All right. Thanks again for joining us on The Grip today, gaining relevant, innovative perspectives. And I have an author, an entrepreneur, a fascinating young lady who I had an opportunity to meet uh, right in the city of Gastonia. The Gas House is what they call it. And uh, so thrilled that she just decided to join us on The Grip. She is an educator. She's a veteran educator. And she saw an opportunity to make her voice known through writing. And so I'm excited to have her to come and to share with us some of that great stuff that she's been doing. Courtney Tate is here on The Grip. Courtney, how are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm great. How are you? Well, thank you for asking. We're hanging in here and we're making it happening. Uh, thanks for joining us today on The Grip and coming by and, and just sharing a little bit with some of this amazing stuff that you've been doing over the years and um, sharing your voice and uh, building a village and just caring for others. Thank you so much for what you've been doing. Of course, it's a pleasure. Uh, writing just came out of being in the classroom and seeing a need for some of our students. And so it's always a pleasure to give back and be able to put books in the hands of our children. Wow. Because, you know, some people think um, or they'll say, man, writing is burdensome. It's a challenge. It's it's so difficult to be able to do. How did you find it to be more enjoyable and for it to become a passion of yours that you would move into the realm of publishing? So I'm a journaler. I like to journal. I probably have a million notebooks. Um, wow. So that's probably, yeah, <laughs> that's probably what got me started with it. Um, and I actually always said I would write children's books after starting teaching, but much like others, I was like, this is a lot. So um, once I decided I would write, I just said, let me just have a notebook with me. When something comes to mind, let me take some notes. Um, if I get up in the middle of the night and something comes to mind, I might take the notes on my phone. And so sometimes I have those dedicated moments, but then there are times when it's just like, it's not flowing. So I have my notes that I can go back to or add to, to kind of right. keep it going, um, to make sure I kind of have notes and have direction once I can sit down and really start to write. Wow. I heard um, you say um, that you take notes on your phone. So I know what that feels like. I've had this experience happening to me. Have you ever lost something by uh, utilizing that note taker on your phone and you just like, oh my goodness, I'll never do this again? Yeah. <laughs> so now I try to like copy it to another doc or it goes to my MacBook now. So I try to keep it, but I have absolutely lost writing. Actually, um, a book I'm working on now, I started and I misplaced the handwritten notes and I oh, had wow. to just start over from scratch. So it's definitely happened. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that experience is probably heart-wrenching. Um, you know, you're thinking that this digital device is just going to make life so much easier. And one click of the wrong button or one swipe in the wrong direction, and uh, it seems to be all gone. But I, with most writers, they'll say, hey, no problem. You know, I'll recapture. I'll, I'll go back at it another way. So I, I'm sure that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, in terms of trying to figure it out and, and to make it happen. If you're just tuning in, this is David Anthony with the Grip Caning, relevant, innovative perspectives. And I have an amazing author hanging out with me today, Miss Courtney Tate, and she has published several books. We're going to jump into some of the material that she has already produced and hear her voice share on the grip today with us. So stay tuned to all of that. Courtney, tell me now, you are a veteran educator, and I know that you've been hearing the dialogue and the battle um, with um, educators and politicians concerning books in the library and what's appropriate and and what's not appropriate um, having you know the experience of being in the classroom and being around children and all those different kinds of things well, what's your take on on this whole thing about what is appropriate what's right for children what's what's not right for youth and what books should be in the library how are you handling all of that as as you navigate and, and produce uh, material i think it's really touchy um I know all books aren't appropriate for children, but I feel like in a library, we want to have the diversity and the options. So a book that might be offensive to me might not be offensive to the person down the street. And so we want diversity in books to be available in the classroom or in the libraries and school districts um, so that parents can kind of help to navigate that choice with their students, whether this is a book that they deem appropriate or one that they don't. And I know like with critical race theory, there's so many books right now. Wow. Just uncovering our history that they don't necessarily want in schools. And so it's it's almost like we're hiding information from our youth, which I feel wow. like they successfully did with a lot of us um, if we don't get it in there. But then I know there, there are just a lot of different areas that are controversial that that's not just race. You have the LGBTQ community and books of that nature that uh, some districts fight and some parents fight. And so I think my thought when I started writing for Brown children is everybody wants to see themselves represented, whether it's on TV, in a book, wherever you may be. And so if we start to take those options off the shelves, that may be the only opportunity that child has to see themselves in the book. And children do deserve the opportunity to connect with literature. And so I think if we take it away from the schools as much and let parents make the decisions if that's a book that they want in their home or not so much. Well, and it seems as though if you think back, perhaps I know if I'm going down memory lane to my high school days, or even college days, it wasn't that much big a fight about what was in the library. It was, it was really, can I get you in the library? I'm almost happy that you went downtown and and uh, for those who even remember what a library card looks like and yeah. that you checked out a book, uh, uh, parents at one point in time were just happy for overdue book fees because you held on to a book longer. And now we're into this in this battle. But you said something uh, so important uh, about the representation of minority black and brown 
seeing themselves in literature, having an opportunity to be uh, introduced to stories that are relatable. That seems to be one of your niches uh, in terms of how you're going forth. What uh, caused you to uh, really kind of drop your hat there? Was it something that uh, happened while you were uh, matriculating through high school and college or early years of education? Or did you see yourself in books when, when you were coming through that said, hey, I, I think I, I need to lend my voice to this area? Um, I did not see myself in a lot of books. Um, I would say, I, I won't name the school, but uh, school I attended sixth grade in Gastonia, just an experience I had as a brown person listening to, I think there were two of us that were black students and the whole class was talking about slavery and how they felt in their perspectives. And it was the most awkward moment because no one was asking the two black children in the room how we felt about it. So wow. that's definitely one time that, that left an impression on me. Um, but then when I started teaching, um, I taught at Reed Park Academy in Charlotte my first Ooh, year. Okay. And that school is about 99% African-American. And I was there for six years. And what I noticed was we didn't have many, if any, books where those students could see themselves. So to be in a school that's a home, almost 100% African-American and not have text that's relevant to them was what made me say, one day I want to write books so that I can give them back to this school and they can have some of those representative in the book so they can see themselves. So it was more the need that I saw for my students than a need that I saw for myself. Wow. If you're just tuning in, this is David Anthony with The Grip, gaining relevant, innovative perspectives. And I'm having a wonderful conversation with an amazing author. And you're going to get an opportunity to check out some of her work as she talks about it. Just coming up here in the program on today, but Courtney Tate is here sharing with us. Courtney, I know that uh, writing uh, sometime can uh, be a challenge and you'll get that um, writer's block. And I heard you talk about, you know, sometimes it spontaneously comes um, and then sometimes, you know, you'll wake up in the night. Have you ever come across like, I just want to do this book because there's a subject matter I want to tackle and i got to figure out a way to still make this a relatable kind of piece. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the Juneteenth book that I wrote for children is one for sure that I didn't plan to release until next year. But that one, actually, that was content that I was like, gosh, I really I need to write this book. And but I was like, I'll do it next year. And. Every is month, it was like, you need to write this book. You need to write this book. Yes, The Unforge uh, Unforgettable Journey. Yes, that's a Juneteenth story. And um, that one was one that I was actually trying to hold off on. I didn't want to release that until next year. But it kept coming up like, you need to write this book. I couldn't shake that thought. And so that is one that I just kept sitting, taking time to get there, doing some research on the topic, but then figure out how to get that out there, how to get it out from my brain to the paper. Um, another example is one that has not been written, but um, there's I, I know that there's a need for me to write another devotional. And I have started with that content. I have looked at other devotionals that could be inspiring. And I, um, until recently, I just couldn't figure out like what direction I wanna go or I need to go with it. And so, I will take notes on like, okay, this is a way that it could look, 
or this is a style, this is a topic I might want to tackle, but I was trying to just figure out how is this going to streamline. So for that, if I get stuck, I just kind of pause and pick it back up. It might be a month later um, when I feel like, okay, I can probably focus in on this or there's just something that motivates me in the moment. But that is one that I'm definitely still finding my momentum with. It's it's not there yet. It's not written. I now have an idea of where it's going. But that one will take more time because it's going to be a lot of content to get through. I got you. Let's go back to I'm going to put this one up on the screen again. Um, talk a little bit about um, an unforgettable journey. This is the Juneteenth story that you put together. And so you were talking about why you decided that. Uh, you were going to write this in and you released it early, you said. Yeah. Um, so this is a story I know in school, I did not get to learn about Juneteenth. Um, I think they're even fighting it now being taught. And so this was a story that I feel like um, students and people in our community, whether they're young or older, uh, they really need to know about Juneteenth if they don't. I also feel like um, people in the, the white community, Asian, Hispanic, they need to know about this. And so I wanted to write this book because it's something relevant to our culture. Still a fun story. It's a family cookout. So it has Black tradition embedded throughout. It talks about ways they celebrated leading up to um, really understanding that they were free from slavery. And so just an opportunity for us to hear our story and to see ourselves and get a story that may not be coming out in the schools out there because again there they, I, I had a, a former teacher who actually purchased it and she was like I'm so glad you wrote this I'm ashamed to say I didn't even know and she's probably like 50 white year white woman and she's like I didn't even know this story until I read your wow. book and so that was wow. part of the purpose is to get the message out there because it's not happening I heard something um just kind of toyed me a minute ago when you were saying that the Juneteenth, the Juneteenth story um, uh, embedded in the culture of African-Americans and, and sharing that um, with other cultures. Um, and when you're writing that, um, do you find it difficult sometimes not to um, uh, share in, um, I guess, the lingo or the culture of uh, African-Americans, you know, a lot of times, you know, we have a uh, broken kind of dialect or we will have misplaced modification of words. Um, so do you find it a struggle to really still hold the meaning of the story you're trying to tell or you or you just say, OK, I'm just going to tell it like it is and, and let the chips fall where they may? I try to sprinkle some in. Um, with my first book, I remember, and I, I, I fixed it and now I don't know if I should have, but I know we spell smelled, S-M-E-L-L-E-D, but I had smelt with a T uh, in my book. And I had hard pushback as to, that's not how you spell the word. Uh, and I thought, yeah, that was just me trying one word to see if I could push the envelope. Right, um, right. So then with the Juneteenth, I added a little bit more twang. Okay. Mm. Um, so I think mixing it in, I also, um, before like releasing it, I had just people of different cultures and backgrounds read it. So I could say, Hey, would you even read this book to your child as wow. a non-person of color? 
does this book still speak to you? Um, so just trying to make sure that it can still reach others. They can still understand it, feel like it's okay for their children to read if they are people that are open to that particular content. Wow. And and being open to different content is definitely uh, so important um, for us right now because one of the challenges has always been you know, for African-Americans is just getting our kids to read. Um, you are an, you are an educator. You're in the school system. Um, are you still seeing the challenge of students uh, performing low uh, as it relates to reading and reading comprehension um, when you are working on pieces? Um, do you give that some thought too of how you can help in that area? Unfortunately, yes, we have a even wider gap now due to COVID. So there was just data released um, that scores dropped mm. the lowest that they have in the last 20 years. Wow. And so although we're more proficient and we're higher performing than we were, right. um, because of COVID in those two years, it was a higher gap in math, but there's definitely a big gap in reading, but mm. also the gap widened uh, with our brown and uh, black and brown children. And so it's definitely a bigger gap than we saw even two years ago that's happened. And so where everyone is lower, we're still finding that our brown children are still at the bottom of the barrel. And so um, that always just tugs at my heart because I'm like, there has in this much time, we have to have a way that we can do better by our youth. Um, but I definitely see that divide, uh, something that I'm, when I'm able to get in school, so I visit a lot of schools with the work that I do right now, but when I'm able to get into schools separate of my nine to five to do books, uh, one thing I'm working with one school on is actually doing a writer's workshop with students. Oh. So finding ways to get students engaged. Um, so it's not just an Arthur visit where I come to read to students, but finding ways to do like a workshop with students or have a friend that lives in Bermuda. So we did um, an Arthur interview, trying to give them tips to make them want to read or, or write wow. stories. And then I did an interactive read aloud virtually so that the teachers could all have a copy of that video and they could even hear the story in Bermuda. So trying to find ways to- um, That's awesome capitalize on, you know, we're, we can do stuff virtually now, I'm trying to capitalize on that and find ways to engage students to get excited about reading. Um, you've got this book. I'm going to put it up on the screen. It's called uh, Tasty Cakes. Talk a little bit about that piece. Yeah. So Tasty Cakes, um, as a little girl, my sister and I used to go to my granny's house all the time. And mm. when all of our cousins were playing outside, we would be in the kitchen uh, with my granny baking. And um, so we still love to bake to this day. She doesn't bake, but we still love to bake. Um, and that was just a story that I felt like I wanted to get out. My grandmother, I'm going to mix it up. I think she just turned 97 in December. Oh, wow. And so I, I know, right? So I wanted her to have that book, that story in wow. hand, just so she could know that was a lasting impact. That's something that we still enjoy. That's still baked into some of our traditions. And so this is really just the story about one day when we were there, just baking with her. She didn't officially have a business, but she used to make wedding cakes and custom cakes for people in her youth. And so it was just a tribute to what she's done, but also an opportunity to tell our story, just something that our, in our culture we can relate to. Um, so a fun story for 
uh, the little ones that like to bake, whether it's little girls or little boys, but that like to bake in the kitchen. Wow. That's uh, powerful in taking what um, is right at your fingertips and things that you've experienced and then sharing them in a form um, that individuals can be able to grow from. Um, and, and essentially, you're helping others say, hey, if, if I can do this and you can do that as well, um, you are a Amazon author. I have seen your site with everything. So congratulations on being out there in, in that venue, in that marketplace. Uh, what was it like the first time after you saw your stuff out there, especially with Amazon having, you know, so many, you know, millions of viewers and things that are chasing and looking after books? What was that experience uh, like for you, say, uh, once you saw it for the first uh, couple of times, because you, you're 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 out there, you're established, so you have more than one just one piece. Yeah, it was surreal to say, like, "Oh my gosh, I was able to do this" because I took the self-publishing route, and so it was a moment of like, "Oh my goodness, um, this is out here," and also like, "Oh my goodness, people, what if they don't like it?" Um, all of those moments, probably a little bit of imposter syndrome coming out, but then the excitement of, okay, I set my mind to this and I was able to make this happen. And so I think anytime I get a book, when I order my proof copies in the mail, it's always like a moment where I'm like, okay, let me take this moment in. Um, Cause it's like, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. This was, you know how you have some things that you, it's a goal, but you don't know that it's going to be one that you actively pursue. Right. And this is that. So I'm living in something beyond I expected because I didn't know that I would actualize this particular goal. And your books are illustrative. So I definitely want the Grip family to be able to to know that um, that there is a story. But then there's illustration with characters and pictures uh, that are in the uh, in the books um, that uh, individuals can be able to identify with. Um, so now are you doing all of that work yourself? No, I um I publish, I put it together, I format it, I pay someone to illustrate, but I have to be very specific with him around, okay, they need fuller lips, they need a broader nose, they need to uh, look like they're African-American. Can we look at the hair type? So it's a lot of back and forth gotcha. to make sure that he really can capture. So that means you've gotten one back one time and you were like, who are these people? <laughs> Absolutely, more than one time. And we've worked together on a few books. So I have to be extremely specific uh, just to make sure that it is represented. I don't want it to just be brown skin and not our other characteristics. Wow. And so uh, I know I'm flipping here, Grip Family, but I, I, I hear in the atmosphere the need for um, artists and illustrators who are um, black and brown so that you can then, you know, join in with Courtney and illustrate and go forth. We need more individuals doing that particular work. So think about it. All that little doodling you all do sometime uh, on pages in school and stuff. Okay, let me get back to where I'm supposed to be. But no, that's something because I do have authors that are looking for people that can illustrate brown children for them. So if you hear of any people, please send them my way because I can connect them as I hear people. I have a couple publisher friends as well. So by all means, if they connect with you, send them my way. Certainly, because uh, I definitely think that uh, nothing is more... Uh, um, 
let's say, piercing to the heart to then to see a picture of us and it doesn't really look like us. Uh, almost like some of those characters in, in, in the phones where you're trying to create your avatar. And he's like, uh, this hair and these, this, this right here, this, this ain't us. We, they ain't the feet. Okay. I just, I'm not even creating my avatar. I mean, you know, it's just that kind of feeling that goes along with it. You've got, uh, a schedule coming up with some upcoming events of how people can connect with you and your books um, talk a little bit about that so the individuals may be able to know because the holidays are coming forth and, and yeah. certainly individuals may be looking for stocking stuffers or Christmas presents. Parents, you don't always have to be given toys. This year, you could put some books or in there. So Courtney, tell them how they can connect with you. Yeah, so I will be November 19th. I have an event in Huntersville, so I'll be in the area. Um, it's a women's check-in, but I'll I'm sponsoring the event, but I'll also be one of the vendors in there. But the next big event will be in Gastonia, um, Christmas in the City. So where they do the parade, the Christmas tree lighting, it's December 4th. Yeah. Um, um, so I'll be there to do a final big push um, for anybody that wants to purchase a book. But for those that want to purchase a book and you can't come in person, you can always go to my website, which is Courtney S tate.com and you can purchase there i fulfill orders all the time sounds great well i've heard about the uh christmas uh tree lighting event in gastonia that sounds like that's going to be pretty exciting um that they're trying to pull off this particular year um, but if you don't catch her there, she's given a website and we'll post it so you can be able to have it on our board as well, because I definitely believe that giving our kids something else besides toys and gadgets are significantly important and books are an abominable price. So you can afford to be able to do a couple of those as well as all those other high price shoes and toys and jackets. And, okay, let me stop. So uh, at any rate, Courtney, thank you for stopping by the grip today and hanging out with us. We Thank you for letting me join you. I had a blast talking with you today. So thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. And so we're wishing you much success and we'll continue to keep following you. So when that uh, journal uh, comes out, I think I'm going to put up, this was uh, the last journal uh, that you did, the Healing Your Heart um, yes. seven day devotional um, was one. I, I think it's a piece that you um, had done earlier. So Hey, we're just excited about what you what you got going on and um, we'll keep in touch. How about that? Thank you. Let's do that for sure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Have a great one and be blessed. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right. All right. David Anthony here with The Grip, gaining relevant, innovative perspective. Keep it on the lock right here on The Grip. And man, next time we'll do it all over again. Got some more powerful shows coming to you the rest of the month. All right. Peace.